can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Perfect Max from Natural Chemistry is the premier weekly maintenance product for all pools. This 3-in-1 technology enhances clarity, maximizes pool program efficiency, and prevents problems. Take every pool care program to the max with Pool Perfect Max. Whether training a new employee or enhancing your own knowledge, Natural Chemistry offers a comprehensive online training program that covers everything from basic water chemistry to maximizing efficiency and troubleshooting. Visit www.ncprotraining.com today. Hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. Andrea here. Welcome back to this week's conclusion of the Talking Pools podcast. If you did not listen to the previous week's episode, please do so. Please listen to part one, and we hope you enjoy part two. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Wow. Twice as many. So again, we've been chasing the wrong thing. And not only have we been chasing it, we've invested at this point millions. Billions. Billions. Billion dollars. Wow. So if you look at total healthcare costs in just one year alone, it was over a billion dollars. And of that billion, 70% of it was acute ear infections and pseudomonas pneumonia. 70% of a billion dollars in one year. That's disheartening. All right, but I mean, I think we can cut to the chase here on this one. It's like, okay, how do you control pseudomonas? It's a very simple question. How do you control pseudomonas? Oh, I know, Roy. Jen, how do you control pseudomonas? You keep chlorine residual in your pool. It's really that simple. You keep your minimum of one part per million, and you don't use OTO. You use DPD. Jim, you, you, you're now a CPO. <laughs> How much chlorine did your CPO instructor tell you to keep in the pool? Well, Roy, I think my CPO instructor, Roy, told me one part per million. Andrea, what did your CPO instructor tell you? I can play this game, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember who he was, but yeah, one, <laughs> one to three. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just that simple. It's like these numbers are frightening because we're not maintaining pools. And it's it, a lot of it is going to be residential, but a lot of it is also going to be commercial pools where, you know, um, B&Bs, Airbnbs, hotels on weekends, uh, a, a, another set of data came out a few years ago that said 34% of the outbreaks, the outbreaks reported by the health departments, and those are outbreaks that are going to be really significant for a health department to, to go out and investigate. 34% of the outbreaks were in hotels and motels. I'm going to ask. Right. I'm sorry, go ahead. So really, when you compare this study that is just now being published and 
now out in the public eye compared to, you know, what we talked about in the past. It's a very different story. And when you look at percentages, it clearly states you're talking in terms of total cases and total cost. Total cases is almost 80%. Almost 80% for recreational water illnesses in terms of cases, looking at this study, is acute ear infections. And that's just mind blowing. When you look at cost in terms of emergency department visit and hospitalizations, you're looking at over 70%. And so those are just mind blowing numbers. The the next doesn't even come close at just barely 11% for norovirus in terms of cases, and just a whopping 3% for Legionnaires disease in terms of cost. So those don't even compare. So yeah, it's, it's very astounding. And we've always looked at outbreak data, because that's what's been available to us in the past. And we should caveat this by like noting that um, ear infections are not on the list of mandatory nationally reportable diseases. So that's part of why outbreak data that is information that's reported to the Department of Health and then becomes made available to the CDC doesn't look at ear infections. So you may remember that Roy and I have this habit of presenting this cute little pie chart from outbreak data that shows you, um, you know, the difference of what recreational water illnesses are from which different pathogens. And appropriately, we always show this in a color-coded way that the giant brown component of your pie is from Cryptosporidium. Where does brown belong? In the toilet, not the pool. Um, so we, you know, we know that that's that large section. We know that cryptosporidium in terms of outbreaks is the leading pathogen by a strong margin, but pseudomonas is down at the 10.9% in terms of outbreak cases. That's all chlorine sensor. That includes norovirus, Giardia, everything. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Yes. The 10.9. Thank you for correcting me. So not even 11% of the total number of cases are due to what we would consider the truly chlorine sensitive pathogens. Ones that if you have the right amount of chlorine in your pool, you won't have this problem. So basically what that means is less than 90% of your pathogen or less than, you know, 10, 11% are something that shouldn't be happening at all. And 90% or a little less than 90% are crypto um, and Giardia reporting cases. Yeah. And, and let's be very clear. That's the historical outbreak data. And Historical. That's correct. Yeah. And, and it and, looks at 2000 to 2014 and the yeah. particular numbers that I'm giving. And Although the, the numbers since 2014 don't really tell much of a different story. Yeah. Very similar in terms of outbreak data. But, and, and, you know. This is very different. This is where our focus has been. Our focus has been on crypto because we know it's not chlorine sensitive and because it's the outbreak data that we've had access to. When acute ear infections are not part of, you know, the nationally reportable diseases that you have to report, then you're not looking at it and it's not on your radar screen. And that's what this paper is accomplishing. It's it's redirecting our focus and it's showing that we've had turned a blind eye to something that is costing us you know, 0.7 billion dollars a year, and you know, more than 50 percent of the deaths that we shouldn't be seeing. All right, and let's let's understand the difference here. How does the old outbreak data work? Well, somebody's got to get sick, then they've got to realize they're sick, 
then they have to do something like call the health department and report it to the health department. And then the health department has to investigate it. And then they have to file the paperwork. And then they have to put it into their system. And then they have to upload it into the national database. And so if any one of those steps doesn't happen, the outbreak data doesn't get inserted into the CDC database. And the outbreak data only focuses on public pools, and that's only 10% of the swimming pools in the United States. CDC data does not include residential pools. And so the, the material we're talking about today is somebody went to the doctor, to the emergency room, to the urgent care, and there was a medical treatment. The health department may not even have heard about this. And so this estimation also includes calculations for underreporting. And so we know certain things are, so there's an estimation by these epidemiologists. The outbreak data has no estimation of underreporting. So those numbers are naturally going to be very small. And so here you have corrected data from a global database that says we got a lot of pseudomonas versus historical data, which was never reported because earaches aren't a nationally reportable disease. And so we've got- Maybe they should be. Isn't that what we're learning? Well, Especially if they're causing that many deaths. Well, but we're also, I think the bottom line for our service professionals here is we need to work harder and smarter simultaneously to make sure not only our clients, but their neighbors are maintaining at least one PPM of free chlorine. Amen. And and we need to beat up on these hotels that don't have a CPO. And we need to tell these HOAs No, we're going to have to do it the correct way in the B&Bs and the Airbnbs and all of these. And and these test kit companies, we need to tell, take those OTO kits. And you know that phrase about where the sun don't shine? That's where those OTO kits need to go. I don't know how those are still legal in some places. I, that's well, just, they're not legal in public, but they can still sell them. They shouldn't be legal for sale. That's what I'm saying. They shouldn't be even sold. Right. And we we need, you know, I even give test strips to some of my uh, nervous uh, customers with kids and say, if you don't see pink on that block right there, I expect a text. I'll be there the next day. When you want the strip to turn pink, sorry, I couldn't resist. Right, but it's like, but collectively, we've got a lot of pools that aren't under contract. So the PHTA and similar organization needs to do a better outreach to those homeowners. But we also, to our service guys, it's like quit sweating the crypto, keep the chlorine higher, and. You know, and let's 
do some more education, some more outreach, just like this. Maybe, Rudy, I don't, here's this really crazy idea. How about if we record a conversation like this about how important maintaining one PPM is? Do you think maybe you could just kind of spread the word a little bit on that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Andrea? Yeah, we'll try. Okay, cool. I will say, you know, it's astounding to me. Roy and I have just been blasting this information to the industry everywhere we go, but no one wants to listen, partially because even though the science supports it, the data wasn't there. There wasn't any peer-reviewed, publicly available data, and the outbreak data spins tells a different story, which we've already explained. So even though we can tell you guys, you know, tell the industry these things, it's now we have this study that does a very comprehensive look at it and really, really sends a strong message that we are not focused on the right things, that maintaining that one part per million residual chlorine measured by DPD is the most important thing because that is where we're seeing the most uh, number of health problems. And it's just something that this industry is behind the eight ball. So I don't, you know, I hope that this paper and this study really um, gets educated on more and more people become aware of it because that's what we need to be doing right now. This data clearly shows that our our focus and our resources have not been in the right places. And it's like, this is the service that we know this. We we know the stories about ERH and everything like that. But one thing we can do is like any any of our builders that are listening, let's make sure when they turn the pool over, they have a DPD kit and emphasize, hey, just keep one PPM of free chlorine in there and don't emphasize the nasty stuff. Just say it's really important for your kids to have a nice, good, healthy summer. And not spend an average of $121 every time you have to go to an ER. If you just add a few tabs or some bleach or some cow hypo or some dichlor or keep your salt system running. And if that you, got you got to test it, you got to test it regularly to make sure you're keeping that residual in there. And so, yeah, we're all in this together. Let me ask you this question because, all right, Cryptosporidium, we got this. In the fecal incident response procedure put out by the CDC for decades, there'd been a footnote at the bottom that said that they were unable to get a 99.9% kill rate of cryptosporidium with any level of cyanuric acid in the water. In 2017, they took it a step further. They've made this part of the fecal incident response procedure, where if you do have cyanuric acid in the water, not only do you need to lower that level to 1 to 15 parts per million, now you need to maintain a 20 part per million free chlorine level for 28 hours. Tell me, this 1 part per million that I need to keep out, apparently, what what is the most common, the most dangerous, because it has the highest kill rate out of all of them combined, how does cyanuric acid affect my 1 part per million? So there's a couple of things you got to talk about here because I've been I've been blasting and criticizing that calculation because there are some errors in it. Um, but before I even go there, you branched off, Rudy, from remediation versus regular operation and routine operation and maintenance. And they're not necessarily one in the same. So, you know, a cryptosporidium incident or, you know, is 
for you're, you're looking at talking about remediation. What do I need to do to remediate? Well, I'm not worried um, so much about that, Jen, because I mean, I was just pointing that out to show that that, you know, cyanuric acid has always been or considered a problem here. But I do want to mm-hmm. come back to the main question, which is just how is what do I need to do if I have a cyanuric acid level of 90 parts per million in the water? Is that one part per million of chlorine still sufficient to remediate? Just for pseudomonas. pseudomonas. Yeah. It is for pseudomonas. How can that possibly be? Pseudomonas is an opportunistic pathogen that is much easier to kill. is a known, it's technically chlorine sensitive, but it's so resistant it takes so much chlorine that I think that calling it chlorine sensitive is is a stretch. Let let's describe the crypto so that we can all visualize it. Oh, good. I don't imagine. Want to. Um, ima- imagine a, a basketball. Crypto is a basketball, and inside of that basketball there are four ping pong balls, and those are the oocysts that are inside that. And your shell is that basketball. Trying to kill crypto with chlorine is trying to take your fist and shove it through the filler hole of that basketball. You can do it, but you're going to break bones when you do it. And so, yeah, what is pseudomonas? Pseudomonas is a water balloon. A water balloon. You can poke your finger through it. You can poke the corner of your glasses through it. You can stick a pen through it. You can drop it on your foot to wash off the dog pee that peed on me earlier. So your foot, pseudomonas is a water balloon. It is very easy to kill. I have no idea how many rate of kill studies I've done. Frankly, uh, it's in the thousands. And so the detailed rate of kill, how sensitive it is, is specified under a certain protocol, AOAC 965.13. And it's this very detailed procedure. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter what kind of chlorine you use. Pseudomonas is going to die somewhere between 45 seconds and about four minutes, depending on how you are doing that day in the laboratory. Because the way you screw up your lab is more important than the amount of chlorine in there. Pseudomonas is easy. Easy to kill, even at 90 ppm of free chlorine. And those people that are trying to argue that you need to do it this way and that way and this way are using a spreadsheet calculation. As a professional microbial physiologist, Rudy. Not a physicist. I can tell you that Pseudomonas aeruginosa does not read spreadsheets. And so those calculations don't always work. Biology is a little funky that way. Yeah, it's theoretical science versus what is actually happening in the pool or the hot tub. Rudy and Andrea will be right back with more Flock at Fridays after these messages. Aquastar's new pipeline cartridge filters, available in two sizes, deliver top-notch hydraulic efficiency along with best-in-class filtration performance, approaching that of DE filters. Uniquely designed open pleat spacing means 100% of the media square footage is usable, and these claims are backed by NSF test results. Designed with a pro's time and comfort in mind, 
the patented double locking system improves safety and ease of access, making filter cleanings faster than ever before. Available now. Ask your supplier for pipeline filters today. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at blu-rayxl.com. Blu-ray all day. Do you remember when chlorine and acid were impossible to find during the pandemic? The only place that anybody seemed to have anything was Leslie's. Did you know that they sell wholesale to the trade? I use that program. Leslie's Pro Program. So there's about 900 of those locations all over the country now. It, well, I didn't know that. That's a lot. They don't keep bankers hours. And they're open a little bit later into the night. And they're open Saturdays and Sundays. But they sell retail. Don't they have their own installers? So does the largest wholesale distributor of pool supplies in the country. They purchased that large chain of retail stores, but also service, installation, and repairs now. I know Leslie's doesn't do service because I know several pool companies, self-included, that were part of the Pro Partner Program, which can provide Leslie's pros with customer referrals for weekly cleanings and chemical maintenance to you. If any of our listeners are interested in becoming a pro partner or the best wholesale pricing Leslie's can offer, visit your local Leslie's retail location or Email commercial at lesl.com. Commercial at lesl.com. Okay, cool. Pool Magazine is the hottest new publication for the pool and spa industry. Featuring up-to-the-minute news on what's happening in the pool world in a fresh new stylized format with our mobile-friendly app. Pool Magazine is the app for keeping your fingers on the pulse of the pool industry. You'll find featured news editorials, podcasts, videos, and more on the Pool Magazine app. Download on Google Play and the App Store. And my entire career has been arguing with engineers and chemists that their calculations hey. are a <laughs> little bit wacky. Go into the laboratory and smell and grow something that will make a buzzard puke every once in a while. And you will learn that microbiology is not, does not follow spreadsheets. And hey, I've been hanging around you a minute. So I'm a more well-rounded chemist. Okay. So not all mm. chemists are bad. Some yeah, of us, you know, have more well-rounded experience and exposure. Well, my career has been trying to Educate the chemical engineers as possible. And so far, I haven't been very successful, but I'm working on it. Hey, I have a problem with those chemical engineers too. So I'm with you there. I, you know, I'll just say that it's it's been astounding to me that we look at these calculations and and Rudy, since you brought it up, when you were look when you talk about the remediation protocols, they're not airproof and they're not always logical like because you can't take into account if you remove some water to get your cyanuric acid concentration down you don't need 
you have a lot, you removed also some pathogen. So now your, you know, amount of chlorine that you need to kill over what period of time to reach that three log kill or that 99.9% is not exactly the right number. The calculation has error in it. So there's, there's, you know, when you try to do stuff with a spreadsheet or a computer, you take yeah. some of the human and the real reality out of it in, well, in the process. Let's, let's also be realistic. Nobody has ever that I know have ever heard of have actually tried to do a uh, hyperchlorination in a swimming pool and study it to see if it actually works. It's all a laboratory science. That's uh, you know what? Four years ago, that might have surprised me, but <laughs> hanging, hanging around you two and then doing my own stuff, not not anymore. No, no, not surprised. No. Well, and. and it, you know, this is really the, the to me, the no, there's two aspects of pools that I really love in here. It's like one of them is like now I'm a, a pool boy out running my own little boutique service route. And I was out there with my 17 uh, year old today. And to be honest, yes, I'm kind of glad that I'm on this thing with you right now because it's a lot cooler in here than it was out in Atlanta this afternoon <laughs> with no breeze and 90% humidity. But thank God we didn't have any thunderstorms. But anyway, so so that's the fun part. But it's actually putting some of the stuff to use and to be able to take some of this really. And Jen and I had an argument earlier today, not an argument. It was like uh, we're trying to figure out whether we're taking the geeky stuff or the nerdy stuff, <laughs> trying to translate it down here into pool speak and uh, working with people that work for a living uh, is the, the fun aspect of working in pools for me. And it's, uh, I, I really enjoy this and giving talks like this. And it's like, and yes, we've, we've all got dog stories. We've all got dog <laughs> stories. We've all got dog stories. <laughs> yeah. The education is where we make the real difference. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where our passion lies. And so this is, this is, that's where you can make the difference is helping people understand what the real problems are um, really, you know, questioning what we know, looking at the science. And, and that's what this study did a really good job of that. Honestly, we should have done many years ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, better late than never. So let's get started. So we're here. Well, I thought you wanted to, uh, I thought you wanted to maybe include some information about comparing these medical reports to Department of Health data. Uh, we could in here, but it, uh, I think we I think there's one thing we want to talk about in here, and we want to make everything very clear on here. It, it's historically was the best data we had. Came from the departments of health. They did the best job they could. They have very limited amount of budgets. That for them to investigate, somebody's got to make a complaint. And if they don't make a complaint, the Department of Health doesn't know about it. And and they've got limited number of resources. My HOA pool up here, 154 feet out my front door, 154 steps out my front door, gets inspected once a year. Once a year. Wow. They come in with a Kaler 2006 kit, same as mine, test the water, they test pH chlorine, look at my logbook, uh, slap a, th a notice on the thing and say, see you next year. Okay. All right. So they're overworked, they're undertrained, they're underpaid. And they're driving crappy vehicles. And we live in a pretty affluent county here in uh, the outskirts of Atlanta. 
the new data is coming in from doctors, nurses. I mean, it's coming in from any place you can imagine that treats people. Much bigger database. And the difference is we've got professional epidemiologists looking at this data. We're doing estimations on here. We're doing recalculations on here. So this is a different view, more comprehensive, more extensive. And it only takes one case to get reported in this new system versus two people being sick in the old system. So right there, you're going to lose a lot of people in there. And so it's a different focus altogether, but it matches what we hear we're in when we're in backyards and we're talking to moms with kids or our own experience. This, we think, is probably the realistic case. Well, I know I learned something, though, because I had no idea that giardia and like crypto were so low down on these charts i'm i'm really surprised i don't know anybody personally that's ever had either true i can't say the same for legionella it just seemed like it was made to be such a bigger deal but the only reason actually is i guess i hear you the only reason I know more people that have Legionella is when somebody has a Legionella outbreak in Florida, my phone rings. So yeah. then I then I get to meet new people, but I wouldn't have known them otherwise. So yeah, but I do know, like I said, I mean, it was to the point when I was a kid where I was afraid to go into swimming pools and didn't realize that they, I thought there was something wrong with my ear. They didn't realize there was something wrong with the pool. It just wasn't cared for properly. I mean, of course, you know, that makes complete sense. And I probably figured that out maybe 20, 30 years ago being in the industry. Oh, okay. It probably wasn't treated right. But still, this is a big thing. 200 people. Wow. That's a big number. That's mm-hmm. just acute ear infections. That's not accounting pseudomonas uh, pneumonia, which I think adds another 350 deaths. Yeah, so, yeah, most- bottom, yeah, bottom line is we need to do a better job of just maintaining our pools and, you know, collectively. And uh, we got to convince our our clients, our service clients, no, in your particular case, you need more frequent service because every time I'm here, you don't have, I mean, I got a weird one going on right now. It's the second year in a row that I have trouble with this pool and I finally figured it out. They were shooting fireworks off and it was going into the pool and it had a lot of ammonium nitrate. And it's like I had an 80 PPM fluorine demand last year and I'm about 60 PPM demand right now, Rudy. Wow. Never had that one before. I've had a few questions this year and I've done a bit of research into it and came up with that conclusion yeah. as well. That that's and, what we've running into. So. And the other one that I ha- I think I had last week uh, on my HOA pool, like I said, just 150 st- uh, steps out my front door, you know, the, the, you know, years ago, like 30 years ago, you had all the wine coolers that were the big hot things. And now you get the, uh, usually it's vodka with the uh, fruit juice and the 20 ounce cans now, and you're seeing that all over. I think somebody must have dumped a case of that into my pool because I had three and a half ppm of free chlorine on Tuesday, 
And by Thursday, I had to dump like six gallons of bleach in to recover it. Wow. Yeah, somebody dumped something in that pool. And I can tell you that trash can had an awful lot of empty cans in, you know. So the amount the amount of carbon in vodka alone is insane. Insane. So yeah. And so in in your experience with the fireworks and my experience, and it's like, and we can all tell these stories like this, but it's a matter of freak uh, how often do we have to monitor? How often do we have to shock? And it's not and we're and we're not preaching any variety of it of of chlorine here. It's like most residential pools I deal with. They're either uh, trichlor or they're salt. Uh, and that's what we've got up here in the Atlanta area. And Both of those have chlorine or should. Yeah. And it's, I've had everything break you can imagine this year. And it's like I've had more break than usual this year. But it's like it doesn't matter. You got to fix it. And you got to keep it active. And don't let the customers in until the pool's right. So there you have it, everybody. One part per million. If you have the customer that comes to you and tells you that their kid got a rash from the chlorine you're putting in the pool, realistically, that kid got a rash from the chlorine you're not putting in the pool. That's what it comes down to. That's on you. If you hear about it from somebody else, now you know you have a better idea. But one to 10 parts per million free chlorine, you're not likely to cause the rash. Focus on what's at hand. I'm going to drop a link to this, this tech bulletin that we've been speaking about into the show notes and if roy is kind enough to share his slides i'll drop a link to those as well uh pseudomonas arachinosa roy vor physiologist microbial physiologist cpo instructor extraordinaire and miss jen wong the mother of all chemists these two rock thank you so much for coming on to talk about this this tech bulletin that only came out just a couple of weeks ago. We appreciate you coming, uh, agreeing to be with us so quickly so that way we can, we can address this as it goes out to the industry. And don't forget, toss out your OTO. DPD all the way. Always. You heard her. Um, so yeah, that's been our show. Hope you guys enjoyed everything. If you have any questions, let us know. Talkingpools at gmail.com and uh, go listen to our other shows and that's it for me. I got to go yeah. fix my Thank you for having us very Roy, much. Jen. Well, arm. thank you for coming here. We appreciate it. Everybody, until next time, be good. Be safe. Do it. Bye. Do it. Bye for now. Andrea, do it. What? What's your problem? What's your What's your problem? I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 